0: My name is Marcel Dorf. I'm from the Netherlands. I'm doing uh, freelance journalist work for Eurosport Discovery Plus. I have my own podcast, MMA Outbreaker. Check them out. And I want to thank you, everybody. And listen to pro sports podcasters for all your MMA stuff. And uh,
1: We are the pro sports podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
0: It's time for another episode of the pro sports podcasters with your host,
1: Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. It's Kobe with you. I'm alone today, but we know we're never alone here because we've got a guest joining us from across the pond. He covers MMA for Eurosport Netherlands and also Discovery Plus. He's a freelance reporter and basically covers everything in the world of not only European MMA, but all MMA. I'd like to introduce Marcel Dorf. Marcel, how you doing today?
0: Yeah, doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm honored to be on your podcast. So uh, yeah, I'm doing great. How are you doing?
1: Good, buddy. Good. Appreciate having you on. Now, we spoke a little bit before this. Like I said, I've got uh, my father's from the Netherlands, so I know a little bit about what goes on there. And when it comes to the world of mixed martial arts, I guess in the Netherlands, it begins with kickboxing, correct?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes, yes.
1: So at one point, I'd say, maybe not even at one point, maybe even still currently, a number of the top kickboxers in the world come out of the Netherlands. Has kickboxing taken a dip there because of mixed martial arts, or is it still thriving?
0: Um, It's definitely not. uh, I, I think it's a little bit more closer, you know? I mean, kickboxing was really big. I mean, if you go back 10, 15 years, I mean, there was barely any MMA, you know? And now it's like, it's, MMA is coming up, you know, but still a lot of people still more into kickboxing because of, you got a lot of Dutch champions there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so they have easier access to to those champions, to the people who are fighting there. Then in MMA, you got like, uh, you got talent over here, you know, but mostly it's like kickboxing shows. Maybe there is like, one or two MMA shows uh, a month, not even maybe a month, you know. But those are like good organizations, you know, who are focused on MMA. Back back in the day, we had like kickboxing mixed with MMA, and then you had like two MMA fights on one card and like t- twelve kickboxing fights. You know what I mean? So okay. It was a pre- but now you got like lone cards with MMA on, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And uh, it, it, MMA is thriving, definitely for sure, but still kickboxing is still like. I would say the leader if it comes to combat sports in the Netherlands, yeah.
1: Now, how long have you been following mixed martial arts?
0: Um... I think I started following when I still was in school, and I also started with watching kickboxing pretty much because yeah, that was on TV, you know, and uh, that's why I got attracted to to the fighting style. It was back in the day when when uh, Raymi Bonjaski was fighting, I think, Badahari, Sammy Semi shield like like those kind of guys, you know, uh, were fighting, and yeah, at a certain moment, um, I found out MMA. I found out an MMA bout on a on a K1 card back then, and it intrigued me. And from that, from that time on, I've been more watching MMA and then I've watching it a lot. You know, I've watched pretty much everything back, like from the early nineties till now. So, um, let's say the important events and, um, yeah, now I'm, uh, I- I'm actually barely watch any kickboxing anymore. It's like, it's like 99% MMA, 1% kickboxing. So, yeah.
1: Okay. And have you looked back at like some of the historical events in MMA, like some of the first UFCs and such?
0: I've watched literally every UFC event, you know, I, I, I can tell you a story I was at the store, I know back then it's years ago, and I saw a DVD for, for five bucks, and it was UFC 63, Hughes against Penn 2, mm-hmm. I bought that one, I watched it, after the fight GSP came into the octagon and saying, I'm not impressed by your performance against Matt Hughes," and then I wanted to see that fight, so I bought, I went to the store, I bought that DVD back then <laughs> and so forth, and so forth, and back then at, at a certain moment, you're like, you see like a guy in the audience, like a Royce Gracie, you know, you know, who is that actually? You know, so you're going back at the very first event. So I pretty much have all these DVDs. I've I've been bu- I've been buying for years ago, watching them all, watching all these events. Then. You See Pride guys coming into the UFC, you want to know what Pride is, so you're going to watch Pride as well, you know. So, pretty much, I watch everything I could watch back, so uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty fun, you know. And uh, now we're here,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of come full circle for us because the very first guest we had on our very first show of the pro sports podcasters was Remco Pardue,
0: okay, yeah, all
1: right. So, like the first uh individual to represent the Netherlands in the UFC. So it's it's kind of cool to have you on as well and talk a little bit about where it's come from from back then till now. Now outside of the USC, uh what what promotions are popular in the Netherlands right now?
0: Um yeah definitely Bellator as well because mm-hmm. we have like uh we have a Denise Kielholz Costello Van Steenis, Gegard Musasi there, um uh Malvin Manuff is still there I think so that, that's that's pretty. Uh, how do you say that? It's, it's also pretty uh, popular because it also has its own streaming uh, uh, platform now in the Netherlands, so people can stream it there. PFL not so much because it is on the zone, and I don't think a lot of people have the zone. Okay. So the zone is mostly for 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 boxing. I, th- I think for people watching boxing, and it does not PFL. I have P- I have the zone because I want to watch the PFL tournaments. Um, let me see. One one is pretty uh, popular as well because there's also a lot of kickboxing there. You know, and Muay Thai fighting. Yes, and you got the de Derrida who was was uh, was pretty popular over here. So that's pretty uh, and and you got like say KS, KSW is it hugely popular it's more with the hardcore fans I think over here mm-hmm. but people watch that as well you know it's it's like what you can watch they will pretty much watch but still like it's like UFC Bellator Glory that's what they most like like and glorious than the kickboxing obviously so um yeah that, that that's pretty much what it is yeah? Now, this is a bit off
1: talk, but we're going to ask it because of timing, right? This is it's August 17th, 2023, and in a few days, we're going to have the Women's FIFA World Cup final. Is women's soccer gaining popularity in the Netherlands?
0: That's a very good question. I think only a couple of people will say yes. I, I, I think... I, I, when when the Dutch team was in it, a lot of mm-hmm. people are watching it. You know what I mean. But they got eliminated by Spain, I think, a yeah. couple of days ago. So it's like, and and there were on very inconvenient times. You know, it was like three a.m., uh, four a.m., two a.m. They they are they are playing. I only think they have one one uh, match was at eleven a.m. So that was good for a lot of people. But is it popular? I think people want to see them do well, but. I don't think it's as popular as, 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 uh, how do you say that? The male world cup, you know what I mean? Yes. And it's also on TV is pretty much, they show like only the Dutch, uh, how do you say that? The, the, the Dutch team. Yeah. And they, they have shown all the, uh, the knockout stage, uh, matchups, you know, but all the group stages, only the Dutch team. They showed, and I think the Moroccan team, because you have like uh, a lot of Moroccan uh, people living here. But, um, we, we had to, if you had to have to watch it completely, you had to watch the B- BBC or the, the German, uh, channel to, to watch it because they only were, uh, broadcasting the Dutch pretty much. So yeah.
1: Okay so the broadcasters themselves weren't that interested in the event.
0: I think I think they only had the right to to show a certain amount of games. I think I don't think they they bought the full license, you know what I mean? So I think it was to I think they made the how do you say that they made a thought like a lot of these uh, a lot of these matchups are during the night, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are working uh, so they are not going to stay up for watching, for example, let's say Zambia against um, against Ireland, or or they they watch Netherlands, but they're also not going to uh, stay up for Italy against Spain, for example. Yeah, because people have to work the next day. You know what I mean? So it's like I think they was are like we're not going to pay a lot of money for matchups. Maybe like a couple of people are watching. You know what I mean? Like the crazy people who stay awake late at <laughs> night, like myself. You yeah. know. But yeah, that's the way it is.
1: Okay, okay. Now, let's look ahead at some of the upcoming events in the world of Mixed Martial Arts, specifically UFC. I don't want to talk about 292 because we re discussed that in episode coming out later today, actually. But looking ahead, you've got a couple of these UFC Fight Night cards that are kind of odd to me. I, I, want, I want to get your take on this. But first of all, you've got Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. Is that a fight that should even have been made?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't like it, probably. But to be really honest, listen, uh, Korean Zombie asked for the fight. Max said, okay, let's do it, you know. So, I mean, what can we do, right? I mean, I think if you... Listen, man, I got a lot of respect for the Korean Zombie. I think he's an absolute legend in Korea, uh, has has been done so good for the sport. But I think if, if, you, if you ask 100 people... Who watch MMA, we think it's going to win. 101 people will say Max Holloway, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much it. And that's never good, in my opinion, for, for a main event. But I understand why they made this main event. But besides that, I think the card is pretty good, you know? I, I mean, I, I expected a less good card in Singapore, to be really honest. Definitely because it is like at a uh, un- non convenient time for the US watcher, you know yeah. what I mean? But. Yeah, I mean, there there are some good fights on, the, on that card. I mean, listen, Smith against Span. Yeah, I don't know why we need to see the rematch, but okay. But I like Giga against Alex. I like Aaron Blanchfield against Taylor Santos. So I think they're a fun card. And of course, our Dutchman, Jarno Ahrens, is uh, opening the card uh, in Singapore. So I'm looking forward to that one as well.
1: Now, hold on. Now, the Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. This fight happened a couple of years ago, a well, few f- years ago, right? So this is this is a rematch, and I think... I don't. I think both fighters have only had a couple of fights in between. So why even like I don't understand from the UFC's point of view why you match them up again like this. Do you ever? Do you understand why?
0: No, I don't know. But I mean, they might think like after Anthony Smith's last performance against Walker, he's like maybe not not really believing in him. I don't know. I'm just talking, thinking out loud, and uh, they maybe are like Ryan Span. Uh, we like him a lot. We give him another shot. Maybe he does well in this in the rematch. Although Ryan Spam lost last time out as well against Nikita Krilov. So it's kind of weird. He gets pretty much a guy above him again. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. It's, it's uh, In my opinion, that shouldn't have been the co-main event of that card. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's my opinion.
1: Okay. And then a, a couple of events from now, we've got Zero Gone versus Spivak. Mm-hmm. I understand that fight. It's a little more of an exciting fight for me, and Cyril Gan needs an opponent that's a little more suited to him in order to kind of get him going again. Do you think the UFC has lost faith in Cyril Gan or are they still looking to promote him?
0: I think they're still looking to promote him, but at the same time, I feel like the UFC is like, Spivak is doing well in his last couple of fights, and has only loss is pretty much to Tom Aspinall in his last couple of fights, you know? Yeah. Aspinall is kind of like the guy who is coming up and who is doing very well so far in the UFC, and I think they want to see how Gan will do against a guy like Spivak, who Aspinall pretty much beat easily, we'd say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they want to see how he does. And listen, man, I mean, we get uh, John Jones, Miosic in in November. I still think one of whoever wins, you know, if if John wins, I think he retires. I think Stepani retires. And, and and we see a new fight for the interim title, and that's why I think it would be perfect if the UFC set up the heavyweight title on the December card, and they can do Aspinall against against Pavlovich. I think that's the one they want, actually, you know. But if Gan gets a great win over Spivak he might jump over either Pavlovich and Aspinol, but I think he might jump over. I think they really want to do gun against Aspinol actually. But for some reason, they never did it because they have these uh, these London and Paris cards all the time, back-to-back, and they want to have them both headline. Yeah. So, yeah, but there's a good chance they do that, but I think Pavlovich deserves it as well. So, but yeah, we're thinking, I'm thinking way too far ahead, but um, yeah, that, that's how I see it going pretty much, you know.
1: Interesting take though. You, you believe that the John Jones versus Stipe for, for both of them, it's a final fight.
0: Yeah, that's what I think, you know. I think, listen, man, John uh, John accomplished everything in the sport. He just wants to have that win over steepest so he can say, I beat the most dominant champion in the UFC heavyweight division. You know, that's what he wants. And then he has nothing to gain in a fight against Aspinall, against Pavlovich, against against Gan again, you know. He has nothing to gain. The only thing that can happen is that he loses, and, and somebody says, like, yeah, maybe John isn't that good anymore. So why you would take that risk, you know? And... Um, yeah, that's what I think. And I w- listen, man, I hear people saying like they should do like uh, Aspinall against Pavlovich for the number one contender fight on the same card as Jones-Miosic. I think that would be stupid, man, because what if they do that fight and that fight is before the fight Jones-Miosic, let's say Aspinall wins or Pavlovich wins, and then you have like Jones-Miosic, Jones wins, both guys retire, and then that you cannot do a vacant title fight for Aspinall or for Pavlovich Immediately on December, you know, you probably have to wait a couple of months. You can put gun in there, but i still, th- you know, I mean, that wouldn't make sense to me. But hey, I'm not the UFC. I don't know what they're thinking. So we'll see. Yeah,
1: it doesn't make sense to me either because you, you're hurting the marketability of at least one fighter by doing so. And that's one of the most marketable fighters in the heavyweight division. Now, the heavyweight division is a little different. You can take losses in heavyweight division and it's not as... As negative to your career as, say, some of the other divisions, but I agree with you. They, they should not have a fight like that. They should wait and then see what happens after that that big fight with Jon Jones. Mm-hmm. Now, on the same card as Gon versus Spivak, you've got Manon Fioro versus Rose Namahunas. This is the fight I'm actually most excited about. What, what do you think about the return of Rose Namahunas here?
0: I'm surprised she's going to flyweight. I'm not going to lie. I'm really surprised because I feel like... Listen, she's always been long for strawweight, but I never felt like her frame was off at strawweight and that she should should have gone to, to a higher weight class. Um, and I'm also su- surprised, actually, that she always said, like... And, and Valentina as well, that they don't want to fight each other. And listen, man, if somehow Valentina... Gets the rematch win over Grosso. I don't know, man. I, I don't think it will be that easy. But if she gets the win and Rose wins against Manon Fioro, she's close to the title fight there as well. You know what I mean? But yeah. does she get past Manon Fioro? I don't know, man. To be really honest, Manon is a pretty big girl. And uh, she's strong, you know. So if this is the good route for, for Rose, I'm not sure. But we'll see. You know And we still have Tyler Santos against Aaron Blanchfield. So, yeah, it's it's like... The UFC has options, you know. After September 16, they have options when the title fight is done between Alexa and Valentina, and they have prob- probably two options. They either have Manon or Rose, who can fight for the flyweight title, or they have uh, Tyler or uh, Aaron Blanchfield, who can fight for the flyweight title. So they have options. Yeah, it's nice to have options. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I kind of disagree with you when it comes to Fioro versus Namunas. <laughs> I, I agree in that Fioro is probably the larger, maybe slightly stronger. Of the two, but I think Namahunas is just too skilled. I think her striking is far superior to Fiora's, and she'll pick her apart in that fight, but it'll be an interesting to fight to watch for sure.
0: Very possible, man. I mean, it's, I, I, I honestly favor Rose on the ground over Manon, to be really honest. I think Ooh. she's on the ground better than Manon. So, striking, listen, I think she's more technical, but the impacts of the shot... The impact of the shots, I'm not sure. You know, but we'll see. You know, it's it's a big test for Manoa as well, you know. And uh yeah, let let's see what happens. It's an intriguing fight at least, and I think it's 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 like I'm happy it's on the on the Paris card because to be really honest, listen man, there are fun fun names on the Paris card, but the main card, how it's looking like now. I, I think for the hardcore fan it's a fun card, but I think for a lot of casual fans they're like, Who the hell are these guys? you know. So um yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what do you think about the Paris card. I'm I'm good with it. I, I
1: like the Paris. I prefer it to the to the Holloway versus to the Singapore card. I'll say that I'm much more interested in that card than the the Singapore card. But as a fight night goes, I think it's right on where it should be, and it's better than the the pay per view that we had here in Vancouver. So.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah you now, nah, yeah, you know, you know my pain when it comes when it comes to that one. Uh, uh, that that uh, should not have been a pay per view.
0: I knew they were going to do that fight as the main event on a pay per view. I knew it because they, you, you know, you do, listen. Uh, the, the 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 Canadians, I, I love the Canadian fighters, but currently there is not a clear. Canadian star, you know, Mike Malott is coming up, you know, but mm-hmm. there is not like a guy who can headline a pay-per-view or a girl at this moment, I think. So I knew they were going to do that fight there, because where that was the most convenient way for them to get that fight out. So yeah, I mean, I hope you guys get another one uh, yeah. soon. <laughs> and I, I hope a better
1: card, you know. I got to agree with you, though, we don't really have a Canadian headliner right now. So, I mean, that is part of the problem, right? Yeah. Now, Speaking of Kenyans that are coming up, I want to talk a little controversy here, and it's been kind of on the minds of a lot of people in the in the business for the last 18 months or so, but we've had a number of really poor judges' decisions in quite a few fights. It's getting to the point now where it feels like every card has a controversial decision, but the most recent one involved a Kenyan, that's Hakeem Devadu. What did you think about that fight with uh, Cub Swanson? How did you see it going?
0: Um I think Hakeem won round one or round three, two and I think uh Swanson won round three. The thing with Hakeem is like I think he's super talented. I always liked him, but he tends to let his fights going to a decision where people can doubt if he really won a certain round while he actually won the round. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's a that's a problem. I think he has a lot of split decisions, split decisions as well on his records. You know, so that that's a that's a problem on his part. But the thing is, the judges should make, should do their job. You know, and he won that fight. Even once Swanson admitted that he thought Hakim won the fight. So it's yeah. I... I I can't stand bad judging, you know. i always talking about it on other podcasts as well. It's just annoying, you know. I and mean, it's super annoying because you don't know why a certain judge scored a fight the way they scored it. Well, like 99% of the other people scored it for the other guy. Yeah, It's like... It's like you're you're not like Albert Einstein who says it's this way, and the other people say it's that way, and it's actually this way, like Albert says. You know what I mean? That's it's right. just like yeah, it, it's super weird to me, and it's happened. You like you said almost on every card right now. Yeah. Uh, we have a weird decision. We have like judges, for example, scoring one 30-27 for one fighter, and the other scoring thirty twenty seven for the other fighter. It's like, what are you watching? You know, and th- that's the thing. Like it's too much. Uh, there's too much space, space for imagination for, for certain people to, how uh, to fill in a scorecard, in my opinion. And I think it probably won't get better, man, at this moment, because uh, like the fighter said himself, the judges have no accountability. They, they don't have any accountability to, 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 ex, ex, to say what, the, what, why they score a certain way. You know, they don't uh, explain it. You know, you don't have to come in public and say why you did it. But I would love to hear, for example, from a commissioner going to the judge and it's like, can you explain why you score it like that? You know, and then that they have a website, for example, and they put it out like judge Let's say Saldomado who always scores it bad, judge Saldomado uh scored it this way because he looked at this, this, and that, and then you can disagree with it, but at least we see like the thought process of a certain judge why he scored it the way he scored it, you know, so I think that's an important thing, and like I always said um people a lot of people laughing with this, but you should put these judges in a bunker with no sound of the audience. I know there was no audience there and almost in the apex, but they were on Cup Swanson's hand. I asked it to a journalist who was there. And make sure it's like fighter A versus fighter B. I don't want any names. I just want blue and red corner and I wanna want them to score it like they see it, you know, with no with only the sound of the impact of the shots they're landing. You know? And also you you, you gotta take take in mind the judges are cage side there. Who else was cage side? His wife with his three little kids were king side. Yes, that's right. So, yeah. So, listen, I don't say they're influ- they, they got uh, influenced by it on purpose, but still, you see the wife and the kids, they are yelling to, uh, they're yelling them on. Swanson, they're supporting him, of course, you know, and it might influence your judgment of how you think a fight goes. Because when Swanson uh, hits Dawudu with a shot, the pop is harder from the crowd when Dawoodoo has a shot on Swanson, you know? So it's everything to take in mind. But um, yeah, I I hope in a couple of years we don't have this problem anymore. But man, I'm not really positive. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I don't feel very... I don't think it's a possibility, to tell you the truth. But I mean, you do make a point when it comes to the audience. I've always said that too, that if you've got a fan favorite, I mean, he can throw a head kick and it's fully blocked, but the audience goes wild. Right. So maybe the judge thinks that landed. You never know. That can play a part of it. But what you have happening now, and I even comment on it before certain fights happen, I'll be watching the event with friends and I'll as the fight's about to begin, I'll say, as I said, in the Cub Swanson versus DeWadu fight, I'll say DeWadu really needs to show he's won this because everyone in that stadium plus the UFC brass want to see Swanson win.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's, um. I call it, what, what it? Fe- veteran privilege, you know what I mean, and that maybe sounds really weird, but, for example, I can give you a good example, Andre Orlovsky against Jake Collier. Yes. Fight. Collier clearly won that fight in my opinion, I even had scored three rounds for him against zero for Orlovsky. Arlovsky got the win, you know it's veteran privilege a lot of times, you know, they think it's a close fight, you know, uh, and you hear the pop from the audience more for the veteran, obviously. I mean, if you walk inside a store and you are with MMA fans and you have one table with Arlovsky on it and the other table with Collier on it, believe me from the hundred MMA fans, 100 MMA fans on Arlovsky's table, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, respectfully, he deserves to be loved, you know? And, and so is Swanson. He deserves to be loved. He is, he's a veteran and, uh, he is like, uh, how do you say that? He is a hero for a lot of people, you know. But it shouldn't influence a judge's decision or whatever. But I feel the same way as you, man. I mean, certain guys who are coming into the uh, coming into the oct- octagon, yeah, they they might have already like, um, how do you say that? Uh, a little bit of an advantage coming in, you know. The other guy has to really show that he that he has to take the win, and that's what I say. with Dow do? He he leaves too much for uh, for imagination for a lot of judges you know but yeah. it's not his fault in my opinion he should have got to win that that's clear i think he clearly won so yeah bet u.s Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting
1: with sports betting live betting racebook online slots and online casino
0: it's available across the u.s
1: and canada use the code psp to receive a massive sign-up bonus Now it's starting to draw on a question as to whether or not there's some interference from the promotion itself. People are starting to think that certain fights are fixed. And I'm not going to say that the Cubs-Swanson fight could have been fixed. But if you look at fights with a little more importance, so if you go a little further back now, I'm talking about Pereira versus Blahovich. Pereira got that win. And that's another one of those fights where I said, if this goes the distance, I have a feeling they're going to give it to Pereira because that's who they want to see win and that's who they want to see fight for the next title. What did you think about that decision?
0: Personally, <clears throat> I had two rounds for Blahovic, but I can see people scoring it for, for Pereira based on damage. But the thing is, for me, is like the second round, most people said the third round, but for me, the second round, I think Blahovic was the better fighter for four minutes and 10 seconds. You know, and then Pereira (laughs) took over with a lot of them, with with, putting some damage on them, you know, but that's what the judges keep in mind, the damage there of that moment, you know, but for me, it's also important what happened before, but they, they, they don't remind that a lot of times, you know. To answer your question about that from the UFC that they getting involved. I don't know, man. I, I don't want to say it unless it's proven. You know what I mean? But of course, some, some decisions are really iffy, you know? And it's not with this one only, man. I can give you Patty Pimlet against Jared Gordon. I yep. can give you Sean O'Malley <laughs> against Piotr Jan. Yep. You know? So. <laughs> Yeah, I can give you a lot of these things where it's like super iffy decisions where I'm like, yeah, this is really convenient for the organization that this happens. But, um, yeah, and also for Pereira, listen, man, everybody here in the Netherlands thinks I'm a Pereira hater because he's a, he's a big fan favorite over here. Yeah. I'm absolutely not, but we got to take it. We got to be honest. He got pretty much gifted. A middleweight title shot on a plate because Adesanya was a champion, you know. He mm-hmm. won against Trickland. He only had to beat one ranked opponent to get to, to Adesanya. Then he beat Adesanya in a fight he was losing, you know. But props, uh, props to him, he won that fight. Yeah. Then he gets a rematch. He lost that fight. Okay, cool. Then he goes to light heavyweight, fights Jan Blachowicz. And now he's probably getting a title shot against Yuri I mean, that's crazy to me, you know. Plus, you got, I know... People don't love Magomed Ankalaev, I know. He's much more deserving than Alex Pereira, you know? correct? Yeah, and I want to see Magomed fighting Yuri. I think that's a banger fight. And I think Yuri probably um, elevates Magomed's level as well. Because I feel like Magomed always plays it. If he can play it safe, he plays it safe. Because he knows when he went went crazy and he went a little bit... uh, How do you say that? Uh, Not... uh, when a, a little bit uh, against Paul Craig. Remember his debut? Yeah. Where he was dominating Paul Craig. And then he gave a snack in the last 10 seconds. And he, <laughs> and he tapped out with one second to go. And that's the thing. When, when he fought higher level opponents, he fights more safe. Because he doesn't want to happen that again, you know. But in my opinion, if he fights Yuri, I think it will be a banger fight. A lot of people think it will be a boring fight. I think it will be a banger fight. But it's my opinion, you know. But they're going to give it now to Alex Pereira, probably because he beat Jan Blachowicz, you know. Yeah, it's going to happen anyways, you know, they're going to do it. And besides that, after that fight, they're going to probably book Jamal Hill against the winner of that fight. So, I mean, if he's if he's back, by the way, but yeah, we will see, man. It's like, I don't always agree with UFC's decisions, what they are doing. But uh, yeah, like you said, something sometimes it's very convenient for stuff that happens, which is really iffy. But yeah.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. It's it's far too fast for Pereira. If if his next fight is for a title, it doesn't make any sense. But I mean, not everything makes sense. And I know a lot of it is just money motivated, right? So you, you have to go with that. But my issue is I've been following MMA from the very beginning. I've been covering MMA from the very beginning, even covering it long enough as well. There was a time where you really earned a title shot. Oh, yeah. Okay, You earned it. When you have a decision win and a controversial one at that, but whatever, we'll just say you've got the decision win. Pereira beats Blahovich. Blahovich was a, you know, former champion. But it's such a a edge of your seat sort of by by the, you know, you just scrape by and get a victory. How does that earn you a title shot?
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. And that's because, you're a purist. I'm a purist. You know, we, yeah. we, uh, and we, we care about merit. And, uh, how do you say that about, uh, about fights and where fighters are, you know? And the UFC is really, listen, man, the UFC knows you're a purist. I'm a purist. We're watching anyways, you know, because we like MMA. We want to see it. Correct. But you have, you have like the casual fans who have certain people they like really a lot, you know? They want to see them in those title fights. So if they can put them in those title fights, they will put them in the title fight because it sells a lot, you know? So, and the casual fan doesn't watch a fight they don't care about, you know? If there's a fight on the card I don't care about, I watch it anyway because I'm watching the card because I'm interested, you know? Yes. So that's pretty much how it goes. And I think for me, this thing, I hope I don't annoy anybody by saying this, this thing started mostly when Brock Lesnar came into the UFC. And with the, from the WWE they they tried to get a big superstar from the WWE, getting him to the heavyweight title, mm-hmm. they got him to the heavyweight title, I don't know if you remember when uh, actually Frank Mayer was the interim champion back then, Yes, Randy Couture was on a, on a contract dispute with the UFC and Frank Mayer did the Ultimate Fighter season against Big Knock and while that season was going on They had to fight at the end of the season for the interim title still. And Brock fought fought, uh, Randy Couture for the actual title one event later. So, and then Brock uh, uh, won against uh, Frank Mayer in the rematch. But back then, that was like Brock got a title shot after beating Heath Herring. You know, and before that, he lost <laughs> to Frank Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it all started. That's where they were like, oh, we actually can pull this off. You know what I mean? So then we got that more and more with, with a lot of, a lot of fighters they really like. Dude, they, they tried for years to get a European champion. You know, yeah. Michael Bisping, it didn't work out for them. At the end, it did. You know, he got, he got being a champion. Amazing performance against Luke Rockhold. But in the beginning, he did well, but it didn't work out. Then they had Dan Hardy. Remember when Dan Hardy came up? Yeah. Came up. He fought GSP. Didn't work. Didn't, didn't land and, a shot. Yeah. True. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, they actually got the European champion with jo- Joanna Jinjaychek, you know, which yes. they absolutely didn't expect. And after that, obviously, Connor came on the scene and Connor went, uh, Become probably the biggest superstar, you know, in the organization. But yeah, that's pretty much how it went, you know. They, and now and then they tried for for an Asian champion. They got it with Zhang Wei Li now, you know. So um, yeah, they just want to expand in the world. And, and right now, listen, Sean O'Malley who is fighting soon. Um, yeah, he's super popular by a lot by a lot of people. So uh, I think he's over two million Instagram followers. I mean, that's crazy. So. Yeah, maybe he's have even more. I don't watch it. I, I heard he's over 2 million uh, Instagram followers. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't say a lot to me, but uh, a lot to a lot of younger people, it says everything. So, um, yeah, we'll see, man. I, I think I would love to see the UFC get back to giving people title shots. who actually deserve the title shot. You know what I mean? Correct. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know, man, if they're going to do it ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see there's, there's
1: two things. There's two sides to that. So the first side is if you go back to, I mean, like, like what we enjoy, what the purists enjoy, where someone really deserves and earns that title shot. If they become the title holder, th- these are generally people that are very difficult to beat. Yeah. Right? So then you end up with a title holder for a long period of time, which I think the UFC has realized isn't isn't marketable. That doesn't make a lot of money. Right? You You want the title to switch as often as possible. You know, so yeah. you don't see too many controversial decision wins for up and comers at like featherweight,
0: yeah,
1: because you've got Volkanovski in the way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they know you've got to find a a truly gifted martial artist to take down Volkanovski. So so why bother trying to push it? It was the same thing when John Jones was light heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm he beat all the real contenders and then it's like who who do we have left. They didn't push anybody because you're just sending someone to their death basically, right?
0: Yeah, true.
1: You know, well, so it's something that I wanted to bring up because of that is so we've got this fight coming up at middleweight, Strickland versus Adesanya. Strickland didn't even want that fight.
0: <laughs>
1: right? And it's it's weird to think of someone getting a title opportunity and saying, you know, no no thanks. But that's, that's where we are at, right? A, a loss, even against a champion, can be devastating to a career. What do you think we're going to see as a result of that fight going through? What do you think we're going to see from Adesanya Strickland?
0: Yeah. The thing is, like, the UFC had just like pretty bad scheduling in this one. You know, um, you cannot put a number one contender fight in July. You know, and then say in September that number one contender fight is gonna fight the champion Adesanya. It's just really bad. They they wanna do Adesanya either against Dricus or against Robert Whitaker three, you know. Yeah. But yeah, Dricus is injured. And listen, man, a lot of people are shitting on him for it that he doesn't take the fight. Listen, man, he's injured. Why he would take that fight? He earned that fight now. Why Hawaii would pay, take it on short notice, you know, because he knows if he loses this one, he doesn't get a rematch immediately, you no. know, so he wants to be fully prepared. It's on the UFC. They shouldn't have done that so close behind, back to back. Listen, then people will probably say, yeah, but Sean Strickland fought the week before. Yeah, but he's not injured, you know. Exactly. And the thing is, they also were considering uh, Israel against Kananir, too. Yeah, I don't think anybody wanted really to see that right now because we saw the first one a year ago and it wasn't really great. But, um, yeah, with Strickland, listen, man, and also the thing is, like, in in Sydney, that that venue was sold out in 13 minutes, you know, even before Adesanya versus Strickland was locked in. So, the UFC was like, we can put any main event there what we want because people already bought their tickets. (laughs) Yeah. So... You know, with Strickland, the leading leading up to the fight will be a lot of talk. Some people find it funny, some people won't find it funny. I, I mean, I don't mind, you know, but uh, he's gonna he's gonna talk a lot of crap on on sign that we already know. Process will be crazy, I think. But the fight itself, yeah, I, I think, listen, man, I think there's a, there's a gap in uh, in quality there in, in that fight. I think Adesanya wins the fight. Will he finish him? It's very likely. It's also very likely Adesanya plays around and he wins by a decision. You know, I don't know what, what he wants to do, but I don't see Sean winning. Can Sean win? Of course. There's always a chance you can win, you know, but it's not very likely. You know, I think Adesanya is is a couple of levels above him. Definitely if it comes to the striking, you know, I think the best way for Sean to win there is to grapple. But even then, I don't know, man. I I think Adesanya will probably style on him. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, it's just like the UFC should stop, like, coming to a certain location and say, this guy is going to headline, but he's going to fight the guy The guy who wins in the July event. It's like, why? Why you even put that fight together in July? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's been so stupid. You know, listen, the thing is now, what we know, they actually could have done Adesanya against Drakus without doing the Whitaker fight. But the thing is, if they didn't do the Whitaker fight, everybody was like, why did Drikus get a title shot beating Derek Brunson? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... I think they did well with do booking the Whitaker Drake's fight, but it's very bad planning to do it like two months later in Sydney. You know, I understand that they had the venue there, but then, for example, put Alexander Volkanovsky on it, but he's injured right now as well, so it wasn't possible. You know, but um, yeah, put another fight on there. You know, I mean, the Aussies they 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 will show up, but I think they uh, they don't get a really great car to be really honest, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, barring a a freak win. I mean, it's going to be Adesanya that takes that, that fight. Yeah. If that's the case, is Adesanya-Drikus probably the most anticipated fight of next year?
0: Oh, I would think so. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a big uh, most anticipated fight for next year. I mean, obviously Adesanya doesn't like Drakus. I don't think Drikus really hates Adesanya, but I think they don't like each other. You know, I think Adesanya has more hate for Drakus than the other way around. I believe that's so way too. Ha- yeah, so yeah, it's an it's an intriguing fight, you know. You got a guy who was like, uh, who was like a very established in the division, like uh, one of the. We can say I won't say he's the best Anderson Silva's still the best middleweight to me of all time, you know. Even if Adesanya beat him, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, but. um Adesanya, in my opinion, is the second best middleweight to been in the UFC. If it comes to reigning, he's been a second time champion now, so all props to him. And Ricketts is just the guy everybody's wondering: can he really do work against Adesanya? Because he looked good against Whitaker, man. And to yes. be honest, I didn't expect it. You know, I really didn't expect it, and uh I think a lot of people didn't because I, I picked Whitaker. Like,
1: I picked Whitaker. Yeah,
0: yeah, me too. I, I mean, <laughs> listen, man, I don't know if you saw like uh, the. Uh, the, the pros picks on, on James Lynch's channel, he always asked the fighters like, uh, who do you think is going to win? It was like tw- 52 and zero for Whitaker. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, you never yeah. see that. That's crazy. So yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, shout out to Lynch. He's been on the show before. He's another Canadian good guy. Great, great dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Indeed. So yeah, no, it's everyone's surprised. And I think a part of it was again, Dirk style. He, he looks like he's fading two minutes in. And Whitaker's a guy that can go five rounds, no problem. So I think that's what everybody's looking at, right? Like, was, you know, you're not going to take Whitaker out quickly and he's going to drag into the final later rounds and he's going to be exhausted and Whitaker's going to get the win, but just did not go that way. And he looked dominant the whole way.
0: Absolutely great. Great win by Drake His best win so far in the UFC. Um, yeah, that, that's actually, I think that was an eye-opener for a lot of people on and for me as well, because before that fight, I was like, listen, man, I think he's a fun fighter, but is he, if, is he really elite? I don't know, you know? Yeah. But uh, listen, besides Adesanya in the first fight against Whitaker, nobody did that to Whitaker at middleweight, so uh, that was impressive to me, you know? Yeah, what, what does this mean for Whitaker now? Yeah, um, I think he still wants to be a middleweight champion. I I don't see it happening anymore, to be really honest, because this is a pretty bad loss, you know. But still, man, he he beats like 95% of the division still, I think, you know. So um, Mm. we'll we'll see, man. I think as long as Adesanya in that division, he's not going to be a champion because Adesanya has his number. Although the second fight was more close, uh, definitely, you know. But... um, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, Pereira has gone now as well out of, of 185. I don't know, actually, man. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe he can fight Alice Kirov if he wins against Costa. Yeah. Or Costa if Costa wins against Alice But yeah, that's pretty much, yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. I don't think he hasn't fought Costa and he hasn't fought Alice So maybe the winner of that fight.
1: Yeah, no, that, that would make sense. That would make sense. But yeah, God, Marcel, fun having you on, buddy.
0: Fun to be We man, We could man.
1: just keep talking, I'm telling you. We, we, we could go <laughs> for hours if we wanted. Now, a couple of things we've always done here is we talk a little bit of Canadian with our guests from across the pond, especially. You ever been to Canada? Never. Never been to Canada. Okay. We talk a little Canadian cuisine. Have you ever had a poutine before?
0: I know what it is, but I never had it, no. <laughs>
1: you do know what it is? Yeah. Does anyone sell it in Netherlands or no?
0: No, no, it doesn't get sold. We just, it's, it's like, uh, it's like fries with gravy and with, uh, right? That's
1: right. That's right. Gravy and cheese curds on top.
0: Yeah. Now,
1: the Dutch are famous for their gouda. I know you guys have patate frite with mayonnaise, correct? Yeah. yeah. French fries and mayonnaise is a thing there. (laughs) Okay. What would you say is the most traditional, uh, Netherlands dish?
0: Oh God! Um, yeah, probably uh, hotspot or something like that. Hotspot. Yeah, hotspot. It's the, the um, instead of the O, the first O. It's oh, hot, hot, hotspot. Hotspot.
1: Yeah. Now this I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, this almost I thought this was going to be unfair because I know practically all the, <laughs> the traditional Dutch dishes. But okay, so what's hotspot?
0: Yeah, it's not really my thing, but it's like, uh, it's like, uh, mashed potatoes with the uh, greens through it. It's more mostly like, um, cabbage. Oh, know, and, okay. And hold the, on.
1: He, hold on. So my father called that stump
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of a va- variant on it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Okay. I know. Yes. So yeah, mashed potatoes, but you actually mash a few other additional ingredients into it. Okay. By the way, that, I
0: never eat it. By the
1: way, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that I know. What? What? Are you a uh, smoked eel or sour herring fan?
0: Um, I have no problem with eating it, but I don't eat it often, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, what, what? What was the first? The smoke? The, the smoke, herring? Yes. Yeah.
1: Smoked eel and sour herring.
0: Oh, I love smoked eel. Smoked eel is amazing, you know. But I, the thing is, like, I always want to keep it special. The smoked eel, so I only eat it uh, on New Year's Eve.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's something yeah. to look forward to, basically. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I love, I love the smoke deal. I'm okay with sour herring. Uh, something I always have when I'm in your neck of the woods is croquettes.
0: Oh, yeah. I think it's the most popular food, uh, over here or for, for people from other countries coming to here, eating the cro- croquette is amazing. And you also have like the small variations, the pitter ball you know yes it's, it's like yeah it's i love it as well i don't eat it a lot but i love it as well you know it's uh, uh for somebody who never ate it definitely try it i would say if you have the chance to try it definitely try it
1: now you're an IX fan oh yeah are you in amsterdam often
0: no, not as much as I wanted to be, because Amsterdam is like a two and a half hour drive for me, and two and a half hour drive is not a lot in the U.S., but there's a lot in the Netherlands. So <laughs> it's uh, in, in North America, it is like two hour, two and a half hour drive. Yeah, that's like around the corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, man, if we ride four hours up to north, we're outside the country, and I'm at the border of I'm at the border of Belgium. So if I if I uh, cycle for like two minutes, I'm in Belgium. So it's like, uh, I'm really in the South and it's not really close by. But yeah, I've always been an IX fan, uh, from when it's, it's pretty much because listen, man, my father is also a big, uh, big soccer fan or football fan, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I talk to so many Americans. I always have to say soccer, but I know it's football guys. So please don't hate on me here. But, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much my, my dad was a massive, uh, fan of uh, Johan Cruyff. So uh, he he also became a huge Ajax fan at the same time. And uh, he pretty much uh, brought that over to me, you know. <laughs> so you live
1: south of the vault? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And when it comes to Ajax now, we are talking still about the greatest foot, football school in the world. Is the development as strong as it was, say, 20 years ago or no?
0: Um, I think it's more difficult you know because uh i think twenty 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 five years ago when a, fi- a fighter I would say when a player uh comes to the first squad they are like maybe already eighteen or nineteen right now they already get uh, taken by big clubs outside the country you yeah. know when uh when they are still on the like a youth contract so I think it's more difficult because you see for example um we we can uh, F- Feyenoord had a problem, for example, with uh, Nathan Ake, who's now at uh, Manchester City, right? Yes. Um, I think he, he left uh, Feyenoord at a very young age. Um, uh, Patrick Ronald, he left PSV on a very young age to go to Chelsea, and he's now back, by the way. Um, you got a lot of these players, man. Daniel Malen, he was like a good striker in the Ajax, organ- in the Ajax uh, youth uh, competition, and he left to Arsenal, and he came back to the Netherlands to PSV. So. It's really difficult sometimes to build these guys because a lot of guys are already leaving to, to, for example, to the Premier League. Well, they're just 18 or 19 and they're going to go there. And it's really hard to break through in the Premier League when you have no name. You know what I mean? Yes. Or you're not homegrown. So, um, yeah, it's more difficult that definitely, but I still think we have a lot of talent, but, uh, yeah, not every, how do you say that uh, every year you got the same amount of talents than you had the other uh, the every other year because yeah some some uh, squads aren't as good as others, you know from the youth who would you say is uh
1: ajax's premier competition in the eredivisie now is it is it eindhoven
0: always always psv yes yeah um Listen, man, got to respect Feyenoord as well. They got champions last year, you know, mm-hmm. so um, they're definitely competition. And we say AZ and 20, they're doing well well as well. There's pretty much those five at the top right now. Listen, man, Ajax for the last couple of years was very dominant in the Netherlands. Last year, a very bad year, yes. you know, uh, became third. Really bad year with, with the, uh, if you see how, how much money the club actually has to spend and uh, you see what they spend, but who they spend it on was really bad. I hope they do better this year, but they're definitely not favorites to win, to, to win the league this year. At, at this moment, they're still buying some players to, uh, to improve the squad. But uh, I think uh, they went to all media from the Netherlands, sports media, where they think is going to be champion. And I think 70% said PSV and 30% said Feyenoord. Nobody said Ajax. Oh. So a pretty big underdogs this year. But, hey, we'll see, man. You know, I mean, uh, cannot go any worse than last year, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, we'll see. And, uh, yeah, I mean, PSV has always been, as long as I live and watch watch football, PSV has always been like the number one rival to me. I know, like, if you look at history, it's fine art, obviously, yeah. you know, but PSV is much more difficult for us to play than fine the first time, final won last year in the, uh, in the Young Cry Arena against us, that was for them the first time in 20 years or 23 years they won in oh. the, in the Young Cry of Arena against us. PSV wins like maybe in the last 10 years, they probably won like four or five times, you know? Yeah. So, it's much more difficult team because like, we are really, like, we're the attacking team always trying to play beautiful, attractive uh, football. And PSV is really, like, they're waiting for you to make a mistake so they can counterattack and and that kind of stuff, you know? It's really tough for us to play. And with the Feyenoord, it's always, like, very they're working really hard. They're really intense. But the thing is, I always have the thing with Feyenoord, when they're playing Ajax, they want to do too much because they really hate us, you know? yes. And, yes. and they hate... Listen, man, they're still a lot of Ajax uh, supporters, fans who also really hate Feyenoord, but I always feel on the pitch there is more hate from Feyenoord to us than from us to them. You know what I mean? Because, for example, if you ask me, and it's really crazy maybe, because I'm a real Ajax fan, but if you ask me, who do you prefer to see champion, PSV or Feyenoord? I don't like PSV at all. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I really don't. So, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say that I want to see Find not over psv champion i only say to you i don't like psv at all
1: yeah no understandable and sometimes it's good to have the odd off season it shakes things up a bit mm-hmm. we'll see what ajax does in response to last season now marcel where do our fans find you on social
0: media yeah man um big marcel 24 on twitter and instagram i'm more do more on twitter because it's like for listen man i know a lot of the younger people are more on instagram but twitter is more um You can more uh, specify things. You know what I mean. On Instagram, it's really like a picture and some uh, some news under it, and that's it. You know, people watching pictures pretty much and scrolling through. If they do, not with Twitter, you can actually put some uh, something on there, and people with with X. With X, you mean? Sorry, with X. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, with X. (laughs) Yeah with X. And it's also not uh, retweeting anymore, but reposting. Yeah, I know. I, I have no
1: uh, idea what he's doing, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, as long as he doesn't uh, de- uh, decrease the data, which he did last time, um, uh, that, w- that sucked back then. But it's not, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have the problem anymore. But yeah, pretty much there. And I write my articles on Eurosport dot Mixed Martial Arts section, but um, mostly in Dutch. But uh, nothing what's on there is not on my Twitter or Instagram. So yeah and also like we do like uh, exclusive interviews on ufc on ufc up eurosport youtube channel so not on but up up means on in dutch so
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right perfect perfect buddy now good to have you on look to have you on again maybe again some some other time we'll talk a little more ufc a little more mma
0: thanks for tuning
1: into the podcast for even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com.
0: On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners.
1: You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't
0: miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.